Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. This is January the 4th, and we are going to be looking today at Genesis chapter 6. But before we do that, I want to say a word of gratitude to all of you who listen. Thank you for sharing this plan with others. I want to just reiterate to you at the outset of the year how important it is for all of us to be reading the Word of God, the Bible, every day. My goal in picking out 365 key chapters in the Bible is to get people in the habit of opening up the Bible every day, even if it is just for a short time. We use so much time in listening to radio and TV and reading things that do not matter. They may be important, but they do not matter for eternity. Even commentary about the Word of God and on various passages, yes, those things are important, but we must learn to go to the Word of God for the answers of life because only the Bible itself is inspired and God-breathed, and that's what it claims for itself 2,500 times plus just in the Tanakh, the Law, the Prophets, and the Writings, what we call the Old Testament. And so thank you for sharing with me your time and reading along with me the Word of God just one chapter a day. Now, what some of you have already found out is that it doesn't take very long to do that. And so if you can read it again, read it again, or read the chapter before or after, as we're not going through all 1,189 chapters, but about a third of that. And so I want to encourage you to not only keep on your but encourage those that you know are reading along with you. Don't be afraid to ask them, are you up to date on your 365 Bible reading plan? It's important because if we do something, research shows that if we do something, if we say something, if we are involved and active in something 66 days, then we will form a habit that we will have to cross barriers to break. We will have to jump through hoops to break. We will have to be intentional in breaking it because we have been intentional in making it. And so I want you to know my gratitude to you for being a part of this because I know there will be eternal rewards when you get into the Word of God. Let me say it as briefly and as concisely as I can. If you get in the Word of God every day seeking the face of God then God will meet you and the word of God will get into your heart. Just keep reading. Now, Genesis 6. Genesis 6, 1 through 4 is one of the most controversial, argued about, debated about passages in all of the book of Genesis, yes, but also in all of the word of God. It is shrouded, it seems, in mystique and mystery. And so I want to give you just what the Bible says, and then I want to help you to understand what's going on. 
Chapter 6 says, Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were beautiful, and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. And the Lord said, notice the word Lord is Y-H-V-H, Hashem, the name that no one knows how to pronounce. We usually say Yahweh or Yahweh or something of that sort, but no one knows the pronunciation because no one knows the vowels that fit in between the consonants. And Hashem said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever. For he is indeed flesh, that is, he is mortal. That's what that's saying. Flesh has the connotation of, at times, being the old Adamic sin nature. But sometimes it's just talking about the body. And the body that God created is not evil. It's not bad. That's Greek philosophy. It's not Bible. God made us body, soul, and spirit. God made the body, and God made everything good. Yes, the curse has affected us, but the body is not bad. Again, that's Greek philosophy. Yet his days shall be 120 years. Days of man was shortening as the chapters rolled along from chapter 1. There were giants on the earth in those days. Now, you will come back to that. There were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward. When the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, those were the mighty men, men who were of old, men of renown. That's usually, to some degree, what is talked about and recorded and translated in our English translation. Sometimes, as in verse 4, where the word giants is used, that will be transliterated Nephilim. It comes from the word Nafal, which means to fall. The Nephilim were an unknown people. No one really knows what this means, but it's translated giants. All we know that it means fallen ones. It means those who have in some way or another had a downfall. And then it says in verse 5, Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil. Now, the word then has a sense of continuity to it. The word then actually is not the best translation of how to get this started in verse 5. What I want to do is just kind of work through this passage with you because this is what, when people turn to the book of Genesis 6, immediately this is as far as they get, it seems, and they don't read what's before and what's after. If you read your material in the 365 Bible reading plan that is provided for you, the preliminary material, you will see that context Context is part of a good hermeneutic. So we need to read what's before and what's after. We need to also remember that there were no chapter verse divisions as such as we now have them in our English Bible. So there was no number six before the word now it came to pass. It was just following along with the narrative and the story. Remember, I have shared with you already that the book of Genesis has an 
introduction in Genesis chapter 1 that goes through Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4, and then you have Toldoth, which is stated 10 times in the book of Genesis. Those were the original chapters, not 50 chapters as we have in our English Bibles, but there are only 10 sections or divisions, and almost any study Bible will tell you what those are. This is not a chapter break, and so I think that what we must do is see if indeed if this is a chapter break, because there is somewhat of a break in what we would call verse 5. So now if Genesis 6, 1 through 4 goes with the previous chapter, as it is in our Bibles, chapter 5, it changes the entire meaning and context. And so where does the break come? Not only that, but we have to decide about who are these people. Are they giants? And where do they come from? Who are the sons of God? Are the sons of God, as in Job, what most people say, are angels and the great court of angels where angels are called the sons of God? And so we have to decide that. That's part of the dilemma that we're facing. And we also have to deal with something that I rarely hear anyone deal with. The last phrase of verse 4 says, those, whoever those were, what is the antecedent of those? Is it the Nephilim? Is it the sons of God? Who is it? Are the two the same? Well, whoever these were, they were mighty men. That's the phrase, ha-giborim. Gibor is the word for great in the sense of mighty, heroic. These were the heroes. These were the great men, the ha-giborim, the men of great stature. Not just tall, always does that refer to, but also to name and privilege and rank. But they were of old, and then it gives an astonishing attribution. These were men of renown. Now, that's how it's usually translated. And renown means men of a name. That is, it's an arthrus. A name means someone of fame, reputation, someone who is well-known, great in every sense of the word. And so it says those, whoever the antecedent of that those is, were these were mighty men. They were people that had stature in their culture who were of old, but whoever they were, we've got to figure out what does this mean, this phrase, a name. Well, the name, the word name is Shem. Yes, the name of Noah's oldest son, Shem, S-H-E-M. If it is an arthrus, that is, if it has no definite article before it, then it is a name, and this is correct, Men of a name. But that's not what the text says. The Hebrew reads, these were mighty men, men who were of old, men of Hashem. Hashem. Ha is the definite article. Hashem is the name of God. And so these were not men of a name. They were men of Hashem, the name. Ah, now we may be looking at something else. This is rarely addressed. How can we translate the word Hashem, a name? Now, let me give you some background here. The name that we pronounce, Yahweh or Yahweh, depending upon your pronunciation, 
is probably not the name of God. This is why the Jews would never say Yahweh or Yahweh. They would say Hashem, the name, the name. Hashem is a specific name for the God of heaven and earth. Hashem, that's the word here. It is not a name. If you leave off Ha, the definite article, then it's a name. So whoever these people were, they were men of the name. They were men of God, not famous men, not men of renown, not men of a name. Whoever the antecedent of Hashem is, these men were men of God, Hashem. That's the outcome here. And so this is why I have looked at this for years and years and years. The two primary views are that this is angelic beings referring to the book of Job when the sons of God are seemingly referring to angels. So the sons of God came down and had sexual intercourse with the daughters of men, with human beings. This is the ancient Jewish view, and many hold to that today. I would say if you want the best view of any of this that I have seen in writing was done by David Parsons, who is the vice president of communications for International Christian Embassy Jerusalem. And the name of his book is Floodgates. That's right, Floodgates. And it is a treatise on particularly this verse and explains why the judgment came upon the ancient world, the antediluvian world, the pre-flood world, and how that is the marker for us to be looking as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. And David does a masterful job of it. I read the book. I gave a recommendation for the book. I think everybody ought to read it, The Flood gates. But even in David's work, there are answers that uh, were not given, at least not satisfactory to me, but it's a very convincing book for the view. Now, John MacArthur, the last I read of anything he did, he believes that way. Many of you know John MacArthur. This was not the view of uh, Lutheran and Calvin, who were strong reformers that many reformers follow. But there are good men, I would consider great men, that differ on this. So the first view and the ancient Jewish view is that these were angelic beings that came and had sexual intercourse with women. These were women of human orientation. And so you have this angelic and human offspring, and these were the days before the flood. And as Parsons would say, this is what brought on. That was the final straw that broke the camel's back, and God said, this is it. The man's heart's filled with wickedness and so forth. The other view is that, which is held by many, I would say if you're wanting just a good, simple treatise on this, the expositor's Bible commentary. The reason I'm giving this because David's book's easy to get a hold of, and almost any pastor that's listening would have access to the Expositor's Bible commentary. I would encourage you to read that passage on there because it gives you a good summary of the views and gives you some other food for thought as well. And so this is exactly why we need to be good students of the Word. I have for years believed that the sons of God that he's talking about here are the descendants of Seth, that in chapter 5, God gave to Adam and Eve as an appointed one, the one that was appointed heir after Abel. 
and he carried on the godly line of Adam, of Abel, and then of Seth. These sons of Seth intermarried with the daughters of Cain and others that were not following God, and the line of distinction and demarcation was broken down, and that brought on the great multiplication of wickedness in the earth because there was no distinctiveness. There was no parents were not bringing their children up to honor God and to follow Hashem. And so that's the other view, that this is a breaking down of the godly line of Seth and the ungodly line of Cain and the intermingling. Of course, the Apostle Paul warns against this. Do not be unequally yoked. This is a far greater than just two people getting married. This is two views being wed together. When you are a follower of the true and the living God, you don't water down anything. And so those are the two primary views of this passage. I am researching a totally different view, which ties this chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, to the end of chapter 5. And if that's the case, then we have a whole different concept, because this would not have been that which brought about the flood, but it was a continuation of the downgrade of the entire human race, which led to a shortening of life. And God says, I'm going to give you 120 years. And so I believe that that is the length of the time that Noah preached, a preacher of righteousness. He preached for 120 years while he built the boat, while he built the ark, while he built that place of safety that God had ordered him to build. And I believe that was the 120 years. And he called men to repentance, but they mocked him. They laughed at him. They ridiculed him. He had never done anything like this in his life, but he believed God more than he believed his circumstances and the people around him and empirically what he was experiencing. And that is why he is listed in the great hall of fame of faith in chapter 11. Well, I hope this has helped you to some degree to answer the question. Remember, there are just a couple of primary views, and that is that this is either angelic beings that have come to earth and cohabited with women fleshly women, earthly women, human beings, or that it is the godly line of Seth that has commingled with Cain and brought about disaster because of the compromise that took place before the flood. I hope this is a help to you. We march right through the book of Genesis tomorrow. Join me while we walk on the way. This is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.